that one thing allowed me to go from quitting my day job and then ultimately six months after that, I was presenting myself to the market as a professional mastering engineer. I was winning projects based on my masters themselves. Welcome back to the prolific, wait, what's it called? Prolific Super Producer Podcast? Yes. You and I both do this. <laughs> We've both done this. Okay. All right. Welcome back to the Prolific Super Producer Podcast. This is your hub. If you want to be the do-it-all artist, right, where you're wearing all the hats, you want to write the songs, record the songs, produce the songs, mix the songs, master the songs, get them out there, this is for you. This has got some combined experience between Tyson and myself, and we are in your corner every step of the way through this process. And speaking of, oh yes, we're not even getting into the episode yet, and we've got a goodie for you. If you head to finishsongsguide.com, not finish like the, the land, but like finish, right? Start finish songsguide.com. We've got a free guide for you that'll help you pump out songs. It's a simple five-step process. If you just feel stuck, if writer's block has got you, if you're feeling uninspired or stale in your workflow, this is the kick in the pants that you need to get more songs out there because the more songs that you finish, are the, it just means more at-bats, right? The more songs that are out there in the world can progress you to where you want to be. And we hope that that's professional. That's really the aim of this podcast. But hey, that could just be personal too, right? When was the last time that you had a song that was done that you played in your car and you were proud of how it sounded. You know what I'm saying? Let's get more of those moments. So you can head to finishsongsguide.com to get your hands on that guide. But today, oh, this is exciting, right? We're going to dive into our main man here, Tyson's origin story. Just right, like, just like every Avenger has an or origin story, Tyson is our resident Avenger and he has an origin story. And that's what we're going to be going into today. So Tyson, what's going on, man? Yeah. So, I mean, luckily I didn't have to get stolen by the, the Taliban to, you know, <laughs> come up with my origin that story. made it. That would have been a good intro, though. <laughs> it would have been. It would have been like, oh, yeah. You know, back in the day, I got you know, kidnapped by the Taliban, and right. I, I managed to fight my way out in a big iron suit. There but we go. Unfortunately, that is not my story. It's not quite that epic. Um, I'm pretty sure that only happens in movies. Maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I've, I've yet to meet that person. <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, hey, I, I just want to jump right in. And I know a lot of podcasts when people are interviewing other people, right? Like there's a lot of benefit and a lot of stuff that we can learn from just people sharing their story. So while, you know, while I don't want to hunker at this particular part of setting up the story for too long, would you just give us all kind of like a brief origin story, so to speak? Like what's the spark notes of like, how did you get into music because you know i know you're not only mixing and mastering a savant when it comes to those areas right but you also write your own music you are an artist yourself and you also have an interest in helping uh, like develop other artists so you've just kind of got like a full spectrum of knowledge and interest and passion here w walk us back rewind the clock when did this stuff happen what was music with your story yeah so uh growing up i wouldn't say that my music my family was overly musical uh i don't know if my dad has a musical bone in his body to be honest <laughs> okay the only things i ever heard my dad play was when he was working in his shop and he would play classic 70s and 80s rock that was the only thing that i ever heard from his stereo he would never listen to music in the car either so it was just kind of interesting uh, dichotomy between that and then my mom was a really good pianist and so she taught piano lessons for a long time and taught all of her kids and so that's kind of where my introduction to music started was taking piano lessons when I was like six or seven years old and just kind of being exposed to the classic world of classic piano so that's kind of where I, I initially encountered music and started my journey I didn't really stick with it I didn't love it it was all right I'm like oh yeah this is fun but um, I, I know my mom was disappointed because she had always said like of all of uh, the kids, like, I feel like you had the most you know, ta natural talent for it. And then you just <laughs> never stuck with it. <laughs> Fast forward to middle school, I decided that I wanted to form a band. And so then I got together with a friend and my brother and we're like, we're going to form a band. And none of us really knew anything about music <laughs> at that point. Like we didn't, I could play a little bit on the piano. I think I played trombone in symphonic band, but beyond that, I didn't have any like useful skills when it came to forming a band. So 
I tried to play guitar. That didn't work very well. And then my friend was actually a better guitarist than me, so he started playing guitar. And then my brother was a percussionist, so he played drums. <clears throat> and then I ended up just getting stuck on the bass. And the very <laughs> first time I played the bass, it was this really weird moment. So I was in pet band, and so we were waiting to go out to play a football game. But we had some like time to kill. It was like two hours or whatever before the actual pet band game started, like after school, kind of like that dead zone. And so then I I was just like hanging around the band room and then this dude, his name is Heath Nishek, he actually connected with me on Instagram recently. That was super weird. What a name, um, dude. But <laughs> so so Heath, he was an amazing guitarist. He played like progressive metal and he was like just jamming in the other room. And so then he called my my friend over to the room and he's like, hey, can you play rhythm for me? And I'm just going to solo over this. And so he was like, sure, I guess I can do that. So what? then he started playing rhythm and then he saw me and he's like, hey, you know, like, you come over here. Like he handed me a bass and he said, play this note. <laughs> so I just sat there playing the one note, just like jaw probably like on the floor watching this guy just like solo over what I'm playing. And it was incredible. Wow. Um, but it was like this weird moment of me like contributing something to somebody else's art. And then like that feeling, though, I think everybody who's ever been in a band and played with other people has had that moment of just like realization of like we're creating something mm -hmm. amazing together. And so that's like really where the, the bug kind of got me. And then I like never looked back from there. I, I really dove into playing bass at that point. Like that's is still to this day my main instrument. OK. Um, I, I eventually went back and learned how to play guitar and uh, learned, you know, brushed up on my piano and learned how to sing when I was 18. And then my band uh, in high school kind of broke up right after we graduated naturally uh we all we were all from the small small town so it was kind of natural that we all kind of went our own directions mm -hmm. and, and try to find our own way in the world my introduction to recording happened though in those initial years of forming the band so about two or three years after we formed the band we kind of all actually learned how to play our instruments <laughs> and then decided okay we want to record these songs that we've been writing for the last three years mm -hmm. so we came up with eight or nine songs and we said we're gonna we're gonna record an album and so I found the one guy in town who was a retired touring musician. He was actually a bassist himself. He was Let's incredible. Go. But he had a home studio set up. And so we were like, hey, can you can you help us record our, our album? And he said, uh, sure, like, I'll, I'll record the first song for you and we'll see how it goes. Mm. So then we go. We spend two days with him. We record the first single. Uh, no mixing, no mastering. But it sounded amazing. It was, it was great. Like, he was a very talented guy. Wow. And he knew basically the basics of what he was doing recording. Yeah. Then he's like, I don't think I can uh, continue working with you. Like, I have a family. I'm busy. Like, I just can't do this for free. Sure. So he's like, I'll give you my gear what? so you can go record yourselves. So he gave wait, he gave wait. me his gear. What? He yeah. just gave you his gear? What a stud. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. Yeah, he, we, he lent me let my you borrow his, it, but, his, his but gear. still, dude, I mean, I don't know about you, like, I get real stingy about my gear. I'm trying to be better, but, like, I don't know. It's, like, I'm super protective over it. So he must have really saw something, this, like, OG professional. Must have saw something. I don't know, or man. he was just, like, so busy, and he's like, I don't care. Like, I'm not even using it myself. Like, go, go. Ahead. I don't I don't know, like, yeah. what his reasonings is. Like, sure. maybe, I've never even thought about it that way. Like, maybe he did see something Honestly, in us. I'm not sure. I don't know. I mean, think about why would you part with any of it, anyone listening, right? Like, why do you... Why would you part with your own gear that you've spent money on and stuff? I don't know. I would think at least part of it, at least part of it had to be he, he heard something. Yeah. So I mean, cool. I, he did. He did record the first song. So maybe. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Sorry. I just um, had to be like that. That's such a cool <laughs> moment. Wow. Anyway, so then I I was like trying to figure out how to use all of this gear right. Right, that he had given me. And so I set up shop in my parents' basement. I took our Windows computer it was a 2001 windows computer with a windows xp on it right? best operating system windows ever had uh, and so i took that and then started recording in our basement i was using a cracked version of cubase there we go and just tried to figure it out and i knew nothing I did not know a clue what I was doing, so I was like googling things online, like trying to figure out like yeah. how how do you mic a drum set. I I, I basically copied from what I could remember what he had showed me, mm. and I was just like trying to put it all together. And we ended up recording the whole thing. I tried mixing it, and I didn't have any. I didn't know anything about mixing. I didn't even know what compression was, and <laughs> yeah. so I was just like messing around with EQs. I'm like, why isn't it loud? <laughs> like I just <laughs> didn't didn't know a clue. I love it. 
Um, and then I eventually, you know, kind of finished finished mixing it and decided, I'm like, okay, it's done. So we like put it on a CD and we ended up having one show. Uh, and this kind of leans into actually another one, but it's I think it's applicable. So we had one show that we did inside of our hometown. And our hometown is really small. It was okay. 2,500 people, okay. like total yeah. population. Sure, sure. Uh, there's no like near, the, the nearest town was 30 minutes away. So it wasn't like we were close to a big city either. Gotcha. And so we then promoted this show that we had. We booked a venue. We did the whole thing. We we actually went on our like morning announcements at our high school and said, hey, we're doing a show. I don't know why they let us do that, but they did. Let's go. And uh, we, we got people to actually show up to this show. We actually made enough money to then pay for a PA system that we were trying to buy. Oh, <laughs> so score. it actually worked out. It was it was great. And then at the end of the show, I was like, you know, we made, you know, 400 bucks or whatever. Like that's more money that I've ever made yeah, in my life on. with music. music. I was like, yeah. yeah, I was like super excited, super oh, yeah. pumped about it. And then at that moment, my dad approached me and was like, he's like, oh, like, did you have fun? I'm like, oh yeah, it was awesome. Like it was great. <laughs> and then he was like, well, I hope, sure hope that you never expect to do this for a living. Or I hope, sure hope you never Whoa. expect to make money from this. And I was like, talk about, you know, people who like just hmm. don't believe in you or yeah. just like, you know, and obviously coming from like my dad, which like in his defense he just knows nothing about music hey, and yeah. he was yeah and I, from like a parent's perspective like you're trying to protect your child and you mm -hmm. don't want to see them get hurt sure and that's the culture around music is like it's just so hard to get into so mm -hmm. hard to do well that the assumption is 99 percent of people are going to fail mm -hmm. which is not necessarily false but i think that the most people just don't make it in music because they don't try hard enough long enough yeah Hundred percent, dude. Wow. Anyway, okay. So that was the first. So that was the same day that you had just made like a few hundred bucks off of music, and then your dad. Wow. Okay. So that had to have been yeah. a moment. Like, how did you? What did you? How did you respond to that? Do you remember? Or like, you know, what were your next yeah. steps? Did you? Were you excited to still do music, or does it like weird at all if you were doing music? I don't know. Just be curious to know how that felt. Yeah. Going so I mean, no, I was still excited. Like, I didn't think it changed anything. Like, I was still very like dedicated to the band and and doing music in general. Yeah. Okay. But it definitely did put that like seed of doubt of like, oh, mm. is this like really the right path for me? In terms of like long term yeah um because like at that point in time like right after that show the minute like we ended the set i was like oh yeah like i'm gonna do this rest of my life like oh, yeah. i'm gonna be a touring musician like we're gonna do this thing yeah and yeah and then he you know he comes in and, and tells that to me and then i was just obviously so disappointed but also like that seed of doubt was then cast in my mind of like mm. oh maybe this isn't the right path for me so at that point in time like i kind of i kind of ignored it to an extent like i tried to brush it off i was like yeah whatever dad you don't know what you're talking yeah, about yeah right um, but like i can't like it still impacted me yeah, like there's sure. i can't i can't lie about that i would be curious to know just real quick before you keep going right like because i feel like yeah. a lot of us any creatives not even just musicians right but just creative people in general like we run up against our first i don't know our first like subtle knife you know, that like hits and goes right to the core. And maybe it's from a family member, from a friend, from a random comment or something like that. But I feel like we all come up against that first deep cut of like someone not, and like you said, I love your perspective looking back, which I feel like maybe we should try to have a little bit more grace too. Cause you know, we're, we're a different kind of people. Are we not <laughs> us creatives and musicians <laughs> and stuff? So like just to have some room for people who don't have a category for that, I think is, is a big way to avoid feeling so bummed out because it's it's just like oh man they just don't get it i don't know just like i don't understand how to like look at a skyscraper and tell you how it was built you know what i mean like a lot of people look at a song hear a song they couldn't tell you how it was constructed right so just having grace for the other person but then i there's this theme of resilience i feel like in any creative or any musician we're talking about artists and stuff here specifically but i think any creative that finds success or that keeps going there's at least some mention of resilience in their story or some like visualization of it. So I feel like, you know, you just saying, yeah, I heard my dad, he said that, and that's your father telling you stuff. And you were able to like, yeah, that stung a little bit, but kind of to compartmentalize and put that over to the side and be like, yeah, whatever, I'm still gonna do this. I know that that, you know, is true in my story of hearing things from people, but for some, for some reason, you don't let it go down deep enough to where it actually stops you from taking action. You like put it away and you just keep going. So I'm curious, what what was the, if you're looking back now at your story, what was the thing that enabled you to keep going? Like despite yeah. that. One thing of when I formed the band, 
when I like got into the band to begin with. All I wanted to do was recreate the feeling that the records that I was listening to created in myself. So that's what's kind of like my underlying desire always was to record a record. Okay. Which is why I was the person in the band who stepped up and said, "Hey, I want to record the band," mm. like because that's that's what I was passionate about. That's what I, ultimately I didn't really want to be in a band. Ultimately, okay. I just wanted to record, and that didn't like connect in my brain <laughs> okay, at some point. Yeah. To answer your question, I did let it impact me. After mm. after my band broke up, I didn't pursue music. Mm. I went and I was planning on being a dentist. That's what that was my career hey, path. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's what I wanted to be for a while. And so then I, I I went went to a one year Bible school for a year, and then I was like planning on going back to like you know traditional college and mm-hmm. uh, actually pursuing dentistry. And so once I got back to college, though, I saved up enough money the summer before I went to buy myself a MacBook. And so like that was like my my secret, right? To like yeah. okay, I'm gonna buy this MacBook and I'm gonna like be able to produce my own music on my own dime. Like I don't have to pay anybody else to like try to do this stuff. So. That was my initial just like toolbox, right? I had mm. Logic Pro and that was it. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> um, and then by the end of my first semester of college, I saved up enough money to then buy a microphone. <laughs> there we go. So then I had a microphone, a Focusrite 2i2 interface, and my MacBook Pro. And so Let's then go. I started on that journey of like, oh, I could just like play around. Like, you know, this is my hobby. Music has always been, you know, kind of there for me. And I could then recreate some, some stuff that I wanted to. Like I said, like when I was 18, I learned how to sing. I I could never sing before then. Um, And so then I had all the skills at that point in time to actually create an entire record. I used MIDI drums in Logic. I recorded the bass and guitar myself, and then I sang. And that was my whole record. I had, like, you know, a few keys in there, too. But beyond that, like, I had all the skills, basic skills that I needed to to create my own record. So then I, by the end of my freshman year, I spent my entire spring break that year recording this record. (laughs) I love it. And so I, I had like 10 days or whatever, you know, a, a week and then two weekends to record. So I, I recorded an entire record and it was like hardly a record. It was like maybe seven or eight songs. I, I don't know. It was it was pushing. Wow. It. Um, I called it a record. <laughs> we'll call it a record. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, and then that was that was just like kind of my foray into like hobbyist musician land of sure. just like, oh, I'm just doing this for fun. It's it's it's. It's a, it's a thing, yeah. right? And then after I did that, then I was like, oh, like this was fun. Like I feel like I actually produced something that was worthwhile. Hmm. I'm going to do this again, except this next time I'm going to take it more seriously. Oh, okay. So then I took, I wrote some more songs into my sophomore year of college. Then I decided I'm going to go to a, a real studio <laughs> with a real producer yeah. and I'm going to record this. And it was a, it was a fun experience. Uh, don't get me wrong. I don't really regret paying for like the recording experience, like mm. working with another producer. That yeah. was really fun because before then I had only done my own stuff. Okay, and had had nobody but me in the in the echo chamber to to bounce ideas yeah, off. Yeah, hey, that's right. At that point, I you know got my record produced, and ultimately I was really disappointed with the final outcome mm. um, because I had hired my producer to mix it, and I just don't think he was like quite there yet to really be able to bring that record sure. to life. Okay. And so recently, actually about six months ago, I decided to remix and remaster that album and then uh, stick it out there. It's actually yeah. an EP. Let's um, go. But so, so it actually is out there in the world if you want to go check it out. I don't I don't necessarily think it's the best songs ever, but it was just something that I, I felt like I needed to go back and do <laughs> and finish that. those. Way to do that. That's awesome. Anyway, so I guess to fast forward a little bit, during that time I also met this guy. His name was Ruben. And he, without asking me really I don't know. We never discussed it, but all of a sudden he just started inviting me over to his apartment and then he would like show me all of this stuff with music production because okay. he knew that I had pro- he had heard my like first record and he's like, oh, we can make this better, basically. OK, <laughs> and so he, uh, <laughs> he, yeah, he, he brought me over to his place and just started like showing me all this stuff. Wow. And uh, like I was really introverted. And so mm. I was like very, very awkward. And I was just like, I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just like let him like, you know, show me whatever he wanted to show me and uh, you know i asked like a few questions here and there but ultimately that was also like my first like foray into actual music production of like Mm. learning really what stuff actually was like how to record things how to you know create a wider stereo spectrum in your mix just basic things that really opened my eyes to what's possible with music and just 
you know, from a more creative standpoint. Yeah. Well, I have a question about the... Yeah, good. So I think this is a experience that a lot of people face. So I, and I, I face the exact same thing. So you're making songs by yourself, right? And especially if you're kind of wearing all hats, I guess not even necessarily wearing all the hats, but you're just making songs by yourself. You save up some cash or you have an opportunity to then take your artistry and kind of trust it, trust it in the hands of someone else, right? And so I remember the first time I was able to book studio time to record a song, right? And for me, I was younger. I mean, I was like eight, 19. I was like 19 years old or something. And so like the allure of... Oh, I'm in this big fancy studio and I see the look at this the big desk that I always see in magazines You know like and you're just like fascinated by all this stuff I don't know just talk about that because I shared the same thing I remember getting the getting the mix back listening to it and not be, I was like wh- I was like what happened? You know what I mean? I was like this doesn't really hit me and I'm sure you could speak to being a mixing and mastering engineer You could speak to the what's the, I forget what the term is But it's like where you get so invested in your demo or in your version that like you know what I mean like you can't let it go even though it sounds way better and sounds more ready for Spotify ready for radio you know what I mean so like how did you feel about that getting that getting that mix back for the first time or hearing it and just being like oof this is not I don't really like this and I don't think I think it was actually a very similar experience to yours when you described it of it wasn't necessarily bad it just wasn't what I had in mind and it wasn't my creative vision and yeah when you're talking about demoitis demoitis that's it (laughs) thank you when when you listen to your demo so much that you can't separate yourself from that particular version of the song to then accept something else even if it's better Mm -hmm. and so that happens so much because we listen to our songs so much when we're creating them like over and over and over we're you know tweaking tiny uh synth parts to make them more <laughs> hip or like yeah. you know like 100 anyway, there's just like so many things that we, we we dive into and so we have a really hard time once we entrust that to somebody else mm-hmm. to then actually trust them to yes. to do their thing when we're doing ours yeah just so sold on that other version of what we gave them 100 the, the, uh, there's a couple lessons though that i took away from this that i think are really applicable for everyone listening and the one thing is explore all of your options before you commit to something so in my case my producer assumed that i didn't have a budget that's not actually true because i was willing to spend money to if i you know felt like it would improve the project that was where i was at and my producer didn't have that conversation with me of, of like, what's your actual budget? Like, mm, tell me, and then we, we can work with it to produce the best project possible. But I think I ended up spending only $1,500 to produce five songs, and which is, like, if you've ever been to a professional studio, that's nothing. No, that's crazy. Um, and we, somehow we, we did still, like, meet meet that budget. <laughs> but at the same time, like, I was probably willing to throw another $1,000 at it easy mm. to... If, if I felt like it was worth it, I probably could have paid way more to get some more experienced mixing engineers or mastering engineers on that project. Sure. He didn't he didn't even give that option to me because he just, again, assumed that I didn't have a very good budget. Mm. So I guess like if you're producing for people, don't assume that they don't have a budget ask them huge and and treat it as a collaborative project you're like okay what's your budget like what can we get done with this budget and then also from the other side of it don't assume that your producer just because they produce the album is the best person to mix it as well yeah. because he was a great recording engineer i don't think he was a great mixing engineer because he was mm. still like learning his own you know, he's on his own journey of improvement on that side ultimately it would have been better had I, had I hired anybody else to mix the project or not anybody but you know sure. a lot of, a lot of other people yeah, i yeah, should yeah. say don't just assume that just because you have a relationship with somebody that they can all they also have the skills to back that up so a lot of people make fall into that mistake of just because they produced it they also should mix and master it as well mm. so it's not a linear process all the time and also as a now currently a mastering engineer right i'm always getting projects that somebody else else mixed or and especially somebody else produced because i don't it's ultimately better as a mastering or mixing engineer because you come in with a fresh perspective your your objective about the song it's really warm it's really dark there's no Mm. highs in this song so it's not very crispy it's going to sound really quiet on spotify after it's released if i don't fix this issue Mm. but the mixing engineer probably spent so much time with that song they can't actually objectively master it either so there's a lot of there's a lot of like psychology that goes into all of this but at the end of the day 
Don't just blindly trust your producer, do your own research and also explore all of the options. Even if you do want to use your producer to mix your song, ask them, who else would you recommend to mix my song mm. and how much would that cost? Just yeah. explore that option. Like they probably know other mixing engineers that they know are awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and so just explore those options. Like even if you decide to go against it, at least you thought about it and made the best decision for you. So that's huge. That's kind of my my blanket advice for <laughs> uh, for for hiring hiring any producer, or mixing or mastering engineer. Also, secondly, always listen to their portfolio. Don't Ooh, ever yeah, hire somebody on. blind. Yes. Uh, make sure that they can actually back up what they say with real work, unless they're doing it for free or very very cheap. Mm. Because then, obviously, they're still trying to build their portfolio. Sure. In that case, it can kind of be mutually beneficial. You can get some cheap recordings or free recordings, and then they can build their portfolio. So they're still getting value out of you as an artist coming to them. So that's big. lots of options there. But ultimately, if you're really serious about it, make sure you do just drop some coin to, to actually get the right stuff done for your song, because that's going to go way further than, mm -hmm. you know, just trying to nickel and dime everybody along the process. That's okay. huge. I, yeah, anyway. that's re really good advice there. So, yeah, if you need to rewind, re-listen to that. <laughs> I'm sure we'll actually be covering a lot more of that too, and you know, just future stuff that we're we're gonna cover. But that's really good, man. Thanks for sharing. Okay, I want to like pull us forward a little bit. We've got a little bit of the origin story. What would you? And you, you know, you're, it seems like you know you're. And maybe a lot of people can relate to this. I know I can. Like you kind of meet various Gandalfs and Dumbledores along the way. You know, like you meet kind of someone who shows you something, and you meet someone else who shows you something. And for you, like with Ruben and production and stuff like that. So let's let's pull forward to kind of like all of this stuff has been brewing, right? And it's starting to accrue. What is the breakthrough moment that kind of pushed you forward, maybe pushed you into more of, you know, if we say like the pro professional landscape, so to speak, <laughs> right? Like what pushed you forward <laughs> from like, what what was the thing that allowed you to use all the stuff that had been brewing under the surface and kind of push it, push it through in like a, in a, in a real, like real way, like a professional way. What was that thing? Yeah. I'm trying to think of the actual moment. I feel like it was a kind of, for me, it was a more of a slow transition. So there was a couple things, a couple of moments that do stick out in my mind. The first one being, I decided that music would be a great way to get earn some just side income. So just a quick recap, at the last of my college career, I did not pursue dentistry. And because <laughs> I, I was, I couldn't pass chemistry. <laughs> I could, I take that back. I could pass it, but not with the grades that I needed to get okay. into dental school. Love and that. so, I, and because go. I didn't want to retake the class, I decided maybe this just isn't for me. Uh, like all the like biology chemistry courses yeah, were sure. more challenging for me than all of my other courses so i was like maybe it's just not the best fit mm. so then i leaned into more of the the business and finance side so i actually have a degree in accounting well, hey. uh, that is my <laughs> that's my uh my <laughs> college degree uh and then i actually was in that field for a while so i right out of college actually while i was still in college i got a full-time offer from a local company here in Boise, Idaho, and I started working there as a, a project manager, bringing on new clients to their system. They do, uh, I, I was working in finance and accounting, so it was kind okay. of a blend of the two. So it was honestly pretty cool. Uh, I was gl very glad still to this day that I had that experience. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I feel like you learn just so much in those first like couple years of working any professional job, oh, yeah. Come on. Um, especially yeah. in that capacity rather than, you know, at the bakery where I was working before. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, all that said, so that was kind of like my life situation. And then I decided, you know, it'd be kind of fun to like get back into this music type music mm -hmm. thing because I'd kind of put it on the back burner, right? While I was, yeah. uh, you know, I was getting married at that same point in time, getting a full time job and all that stuff. And then I decided, Let, let's dive back into this music stuff a little bit. Love so that. then I recorded one one song and it was a, a cover song of a popular you know, contemporary Christian music track. And so I, I did that cover. It's kind of like a pop rock cover. And then I asked the worship pastor at my church, hey, like, could you come and record vocals on this? <laughs> so he came and he recorded the vocals, you know, just kind of a little, you know, fun little hobby project. Yeah. And then I just threw it out there on Spotify. I think I spent $50 in ads to promote the song. Yeah. And then it ended up getting like over the course of the next three years, I earned like $500 off that off that Let's song just because go. it it was streaming in uh, the Philippines of all places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Uh, 
so that was kind of like one moment I was like, oh, like there's actually something to this. Mm, like I could huge. actually, you know, th- there's there's money in this and there's like potential. Mm. So I was like, okay, that's interesting. Let me start taking this more seriously because at that point I was just like in my you know the back room of my house like yeah. hey let's you know do some stuff. Um, I was also in some bands at that point in time that never really haven't mounted to much, but yeah, that was yeah kind of an old. So I was like still in music yeah. overall. From there though, I went into this phase of like oh let's let's pr- pursue this more production stuff because I feel like there's more money in it. Mm. If anybody tells you there's more money in any one area of the music industry, they're lying. <laughs> they're, there's equal amount of money in any area of the yeah. music industry. You just have to pick a lane and stick to it it's, long enough yeah. to survive. And then if you survive long enough, then you will make money. That's that's my just adv- blanket advice for anybody wanting to get into music. Pick a lane and stick with it long enough until you make money. Then you can pivot later. Oh, yeah. After that, I went into that, you know, kind of the production realm, looking up all the YouTube videos and all of this stuff. And then... About six to nine months later, I was then working on a house. So I was, I was helping my dad flip a house. So I had a construction background. So I was just working on this house. And what do you do when you work on a house? You just listen to podcasts because you have nothing else to do. <laughs> so like, well, I'm, I'm drilling in drywall in the bottom of the house uh, in the basement. And I'm just listening to this podcast uh, called The Six Figure Home Studio. And I'm sure a lot mm. of people have... have come across brian hood and, and the six-figure creative nowadays um but it was originally six-figure home studio and i was just like listening i, I binged sure. all 124 episodes oh, or whatever good. they had at that time and <clears throat> then i decided I'm like okay you know this is possible this is for me i'm gonna pursue this after i got done working on the house i was obviously still working my day job i decided i was gonna like form an llc i was gonna actually do this thing and so i started pursuing music more seriously at that point in time and and so it was kind of those two moments of, you know, releasing that song and realizing like, oh, there's actually something to this. Mm-hmm. There's actually money to be made. Yeah. And then the second uh, moment was just like binging that entire podcast of like learning everything I could about running a home studio mm. and the the possibilities that lie in a home studio. M- when I was listening to this podcast, I had made the decision for myself. I'm like, you know, what? I think I should, you know, try to pursue this thing. One Sunday, I went out to breakfast with my wife and so we were at uh, a restaurant called the griddle just like good you know good old american breakfast cuisine all right and (laughs) we were sitting there at the bar i can still remember exactly where we were sitting and i looked over to her and i was like you know what i I think i like i want to pursue this like music stuff more professionally like as a music Mm. producer and she looked over at me and she's like yeah i think you should oh love that that was like the reverse moment from mm-hmm. when my dad telling me Ooh. never expect to make money. And then my wife actually believing in me enough to say, yeah, I think you should pursue that. Like that was completely like 180 full circle um, coming back to that same moment. And so like, honestly, I, I don't think I would ever have been brave enough to pursue music without mm. my wife telling me that. So for all of those uh, people out there who you know, no musicians, just keep in mind, like, you have a ton of power mm-hmm. over a musician or artist or potential producer. Uh, your encouragement or lack of encouragement will mean potentially a completely different path for that person. That is massive. Oh, my goodness. That's huge. And, like, very similar to me. I don't know how you feel about this. I know it's two sides of the coin, right? There's, you have, especially someone like a spouse or a father, someone very, very close, but similar storyline with, with my wife of, of, of voicing the desire to do this thing for real, right? Do this music stuff legitimately and receiving feedback. That is an endorsement, right? That's like, yes, go do it. For me, it's like a, it's a different kind of pressure. Right. Because there's the pressure that comes with like a chip off your shoulder. If your spouse would say, I don't know about that. I don't, then it's like, you, I don't know. Then you're operating and creating like you have to prove something. But the flip happening where your spouse looks at you and is just wholeheartedly endorsing you and believes in you and is like, yes, go get him. And I, even my wife telling me like, hey, get the gear that you need. What? Well, you know, what I, mean? I don't know. Like your wife is saying, yeah, no, like buy the stuff, buy the microphone. It's like it's a different kind of pressure for me that it was like, oh, whoa. Okay, so like I should I should probably actually really do this. I should really give it a go. I don't know. Did you feel that kind of I don't know. Did you feel that switch of like, okay, there's no strings. It's like, 
it's an open it's an open highway like let's let's do this thing did you feel like that yeah oh yeah, yeah definitely um and i i think there was a couple moments like that where i mean my wife has always been extremely supportive of anything mm. i've done and like honestly a ton of credit goes to her because i've <laughs> wanted to do a lot of things <laughs> spoken like a true creative <laughs> uh yeah because I, I like i mean i started out i was like oh, i just want to be a music producer i just like yeah. want to like produce music with people um then i want to be an artist and then i want to right well for i guess first i wanted to be an artist then i wanted to be a producer then i wanted to be like this mixing mastering engineer then i wanted to be a mastering engineer and then i wanted to teach people about mixing and mastering so i i've just like gone through so many iterations of anything you could possibly do in the music industry, which is why I tell mm. people focus on one thing because uh, yeah. I've lived the opposite and I know how difficult it really is. Mm. So t- take my experience. Don't make that same mistake and just focus on one thing, get good at it. And then you will eventually earn money through that one realm. If that's your goal mm. and then start expanding into the other areas if you want to. Um, but at that point you don't need to, right? It's kind of like those side quests that you can potentially go on. If you, if you decide that it, this might be a fun little side quest, you know, along your main journey, essentially. I dig that. So that's huge. So, um, so your wife fully endorses you and you get the green light, right? No strings on you. Something that I think we need to talk about, which, which I believe is the title of this podcast, <laughs> which is how much effort does it take to produce pro music? So what did your what did it look like what would you say to that question if someone's like you know what if someone's like what am i going to have to do a common question is how long is it going to take how many songs does it take right we covered this in our very first how many songs does it take to make a banger you know like how long is this thing going to happen how many vocals do i have to record how many whatever so talk a little bit about your effort and i'd love to hear your wife's endorsement and just all that stuff how did that change your effort or did it change your effort or like yeah just what did that look like kind of switching into that pro mindset that pro realm instead of a hobby so i mean i think that's huge is that initial shift between hobbyist and professional Mm -hmm. is cannot be understated how important that is because it changed for me everything about how i approached music Instead of just like recording a vocal and be like, ah, it's good enough. Mm. I then took the extra effort, you know, that extra five to 10% of effort to say, no, we can do better. Mm. Let's make it better. Yeah. Like that is the level of detail orientedness (laughs) and also just (laughs) effort that it takes. And then beyond that, just like your actual skills. So the first thing that I did after deciding I'm going to take this seriously was I invested in education for myself. Mm, um, to good. this day, I have invested tens of thousands of dollars in my own education <laughs> yeah. around music production, around business, everything potentially. Like that's that's why I'm so passionate about education is because I've seen the life change in myself from investing in that education. Mm, okay. um, you know, I made good decisions, I made bad decisions in that investment, but. At the end of the day, it still brought me to this level of producing professional music way faster than I otherwise would have. Wow. And so okay. I, I wanted that one thing allowed me to go from quitting my day job and then ultimately six months after that, I was presenting myself to the market as a professional mastering engineer. I was winning projects based on my masters themselves. Mm. It wasn't my name. I had zero sway in the industry. I didn't know hardly anybody in the industry. had nothing to do with that. It was purely that I was actually good enough to present myself as a mastering engineer, win mastering projects. And for anybody who's not familiar with this, in the mastering industry specifically, there's a lot of people will do mastering shootouts. So they will send a single to four or five, six different mastering engineers, get all of those masters back, listen to all of them, decide which one's the best, and then they pick that person for the entire album. So it's kind of a way to just test the waters, see who's actually good, and then move in that direction. It's literally survival of the fittest. I mean, that's brutal. It is. That's like, if you didn't get it, the artist didn't believe that you, or whoever, who was making the decision, right? They didn't think that you were the one. You know, which is all right. subjective, right? But still, I mean, hey, if you got it, you got it. And if you didn't, you didn't. 
at the end of the day, I, I think it's a great system because yeah. right, it, it's the gives the artist the best product that they were looking for. So yeah. I, I'm a hundred percent in favor of people actually going out and doing that. Uh, if anybody asks me <clears throat> for a sample master, I'll give it to them. Like I'm, I'm not going to be stingy about mm. uh, like letting them test the waters before they like invest in a project because I understand sure. it. It can be a lot of money to invest in an entire album or whatever. In, in that time, I I had a master and I knew that this was part of these like mastering shootout type stuff. Okay, and it was. T- for the rest of the album. I was given it, I mastered it, sent it back. And the thing is, I actually talked to the band afterwards and I found out who else was actually mastering the project and they were all big names. Like they were established mastering engineers wow. in the industry. They had, you know, half million dollar studios that they Dude. were mastering out of. And I was like mastering on like a $4,000 rig. Like that's, <laughs> you know, all, all my gear that I had. Yeah. And ultimately I still won the project though, because it was, had nothing to do with the gear, had nothing to do with anything else other than I just produced a better master than everybody else. Wow. So at the end of the day, I went from working in corporate America to six months later winning gigs based on the credibility of my masters. That is what education can get for you. And I can definitively say I never would have gotten there had I not invested in my own education. Wow. Very heavily. <laughs> that's crazy. That's awesome. I mean, that's huge. And I think that what I'm just hearing in your story is this. And I love it because it's just so approachable. Like, yeah, you just said that you quit your day job and within six months, you're like crushing it. You know, what I mean, that's what everyone would like to do. But that's like the peak, right, of the iceberg. And then there's this massive foundation that's sitting underneath the sea that you can't see unless you like go under. And so I just hear this kind of ebb and flow of music's just music. Music's the common thread, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It's the common thread throughout your storyline. So whether it was like high school or, you know, even trying to be a dentist for a hot second or, you know, like whatever it was, an accountant, construction, like even if you're holding down something right in the foreground, in the background, there's still this music thing. And it had these seasons of high interest. It has seasons of low interest, right? And I think that that's just so relatable. I know that's true in my story where it's you're not 100% you know, every day, every season with music, because things happen, but your commitment and resilience to it of just choosing not to let it go, choosing to still make it somewhat of a priority, right? And I don't know, I just think that's the reason you were able to say to your wife, right? Like, hey, I think I want to do this thing. And it's a resounding yes. Why? Because I've seen you consistently go back to this music thing. And I've seen your diligence there, right? So this might be a hot take for a second. But if your spouse or your family or someone isn't really on board with you doing music, it could be a you thing. Are you actually acting like an artist? Are you actually acting like the mixing engineer you want to be? Are you consistently doing it? I know that my parents could tell you stories of just music all throughout the house, hearing me sing and yell and do all kinds of stuff, right? Like, and I'm sure the same thing with Tyson, like you could be consistently found doing this thing you're passionate about. So I don't know what you think about that, Tyson, but that just kind of popped in my head of people being like, no, my wife doesn't support me or what my family thinks this is stupid. I'm like, are you even acting like you're doing anything? You know what I mean? Are you even making music? Can they even like, have they caught you making music? If they've caught you playing video games and doing Netflix more than they've caught you working on a track or something, that's whack. That's you. There's nothing to do with your family. You've given them no reason to believe you're serious. No, I 100% agree with that. And I also want to kind of point out and answer the question directly, how much effort does it take to produce pro music? And the answer is, it's always more than you expect. Oof. Because you have to have that like, we talked about it in your episode, uh, or the last episode, you were consistently producing music in high school, like all throughout your high school years. Mm-hmm. And just for fun, like it was just because you're passionate about it. Like that was your Rocky Balboa moment, though. Like hey, the montage, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like my my Rocky Balboa yeah. moment was investing in all this education that mm-hmm. I really couldn't afford at the time. And just like <laughs> taking it seriously, though. And doing everything I possibly could think of. Like, granted, I made a ton of mistakes. I don't want to, like, sit here and say that I I made it um, <laughs> sure. because, uh, like, I'm, I'm still on that journey. I'm still yeah, working same. towards, yep. you know, where I would like to be in music. But at the same point in time, I've come this far because of those, you know, Rocky Balboa moments mm. in my own experience of for a while I would, you know, I was still working my corporate job. So I had to be at my job like by 8 a.m. And I would get up at 5 a.m., go to my computer, 
mix for an hour and a half or two hours, go get ready and then come back and then be at my job for the next eight hours. And then I remember this very specific moment was trying to get get my mixing skills up to a level that I would deemed as professional so then I could actually offer those skills to other people. And I just downloaded all the multi-tracks I could possibly find from the internet. And it was during Christmas break. It was at my parents-in-law house, parents-in-law's house. And... (laughs) <laughs> Some, something Grammar, you know, whatever. Anyway, <laughs> had set up my computer. I had brought my iMac to their house and I, I like set it up on her childhood desk. <laughs> <laughs> and like we were sleeping in that room. And so I would get up though at 5 a.m. I'd like go take a quick shower. I'd then come back and I'd sit down at that computer and I would mix until I needed to start work. It was just like this weird moment of like, and I remember thinking to myself, like I was producing this one track that I was like, oh, like, this is awesome. Like this, you know, this, this actually sounds like a professional mix to me. Okay. And I don't think I was quite there yet, but I was getting close. And but it was by far the best thing I had produced to that to that point in in my journey. Okay. And I remember thinking, like staring at this screen, like listening to my mix. And I was like, I'm going to remember this moment for the rest of my life <laughs> i was like this I is love that. Some, you know my wife is like on the bed you know yeah. snoring basically and i'm like and mixing this song like, yeah yeah That's and amazing. i was like I, I like i know that this this is going to be a moment that is going to stick with me yes. and so even though granted i didn't always want to get up at 5 a.m and sure. and actually mix my my songs but at the same point in time it's like I am so glad that I did that. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, there's two kinds of happiness that you can experience as a human. And so I like to come back to this because there's one type of happiness that is just pure dopamine, right? It's watching a Netflix show. It's Mm -hmm. eating a cheeseburger, anything that just like makes you happy in the moment. One type of happiness. The other type of happiness is more of a deep set just satisfaction. And that is I went through something really hard. Hmm. And I came out the other side and I accomplished something. Yeah. That is the type of happiness that I strive to insert into my life because Mm. it's more lasting and ultimately it's more fulfilling at the end of the day than just these, you know, small dopamine rushes of scrolling on Instagram or TikTok. In the next decade, decade from now, I'm going to be glad for all of the really hard effort that I put in right now Mm -hmm. to then get to wherever I want to go. So that is what I always strive for. And I think about even in those more tough moments of, I just don't feel like mastering songs today, but I'm going to think about where do I want to be in 10 years? And is this effort moving me towards that goal? If so, then I'm just going to push through. I'm going to do it anyway. So I think that's, that's just a good takeaway for everybody listening. So regardless of what you want to do, if you're going to be a songwriter, be a songwriter, write songs every single day. Don't wait for just inspiration to hit you Mm -hmm. because huge. Ultimately, the skill is built by practicing, even on those more creative type activities like songwriting or production, you still are going to get better, even if whatever you're producing feels forced. You're, yeah. are, you st- you're still refining those skills and you're still showing up every single day. And if you don't show up every day, you're not going to actually move the ball forward. You're not going to improve. But mm-hmm. if you consistently put in the effort over time, it becomes unreasonable for you to not be great at that thing at that point in time when you're great at something then you get paid for it or again if that's not your goal at least you'll be great at it and you'll produce amazing (laughs) songs and products 100 percent. that's just real y'all i hope you're i really hope you're listening that last few minutes there's like gold would you say tyson would you say that's the advice you would give to your 18 year old self to your 16 year old self to that to that version of you that was there just making your first money for music and your father came over and said hey i hope you don't think you're doing this like for real what would you tell that Tyson? It's actually kind of hard because I feel like if I hadn't gone through the journey I did, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. Fair, yeah. So th- there's there's part of me that I would say, just go make those mistakes so you can learn and be where you're at now. If I was going to give that person advice and I knew they were going to listen to me, <laughs> huge, <laughs> which I probably wouldn't have, but <laughs> let's just assume, let's assume that younger Tyson would have listened to older, more experienced, yeah. mature Tyson. <laughs> I would tell younger Tyson to invest in his education, actually focus on the skills that I actually want to learn, not what other people want me to learn. Because a lot of my journey was stuck in what do other people want from me and for me to do 
rather than what do what direction do I actually want to go with my life and what skills do I need to go in that direction? Oh my goodness. That's awesome. So many gems, so many gems in your story, man. Thank you for just, just being honest and just being real and not holding anything back. I think that, yeah, I know I sure learned a lot and I think that this would just really help encourage other people. Cause if, yeah, this podcast is, we're trying to give you all the stuff, right. To make your songs and blah, 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 and do all that. That's cool. But also, I don't know. And I know, I believe Tyson shares the same goal of like, this could be a little corner of the internet where at least you got some people that understand this whole music thing that you're doing. So if you don't have a supportive wife, you know, like, like, like Tyson or I, or if you have, you know, a difficult family or, or if you, you really don't have anyone that you feel like you can just be real with when, with this whole music stuff, hang around. Cause that's, that's really what we hope to be, um, is kind of big brothers to you, little brothers to you, however you see us, I guess, but you're in good company. We're glad you're here. And I think Tyson, do you, do you have, can we give these people, give these awesome people something you got a goodie for them as well? Yeah, absolutely. So I have uh, something that I put together. It is a training. It is a free training that you can access. And it covers just the fundamental skills of what creates an amazing mixing and mastering engineer. It is not so much tactical, but it will give you the true foundation to actually be great at mixing and mastering. So if you want to access that, it is the promixformula.com. You can either do the promixformula.com or promixformula.com, and you can access that for free. Again, that is just going to cover the fundamental skills that you absolutely need to master to produce professional music. It may not be what you expect, but it is the truth. And it's everything that I've learned uh, through my own, my own journey of just struggling to, to mix well and master well, put it into a very short, I think it's an hour and a half or so of training that's gonna be incredibly valuable for you. So make sure that you go pick that up. That is the promixformula.com. Huge. And speaking of education, right? Like y'all don't sleep on this. It's free. <laughs> like Tyson already did the, you know, five figures in education for it. You're good. Just go get the guide and like <laughs> change your songs, change the way you show up for your songs, go change your life. Yeah. I wish that was an exaggeration, but it's not. So <laughs> yeah, make sure, make sure you actually do go pick that up. So make sure that you actually watch it once you do get it. Because mm -hmm. one thing I've learned is that if you get education and you don't actually watch it, it doesn't actually do you any good. I've made that mistake. Don't make, don't be like Tyson. Don't make that same mistake that I did. Actually take it, watch it, and then also implement it because mm -hmm. you need to take action on everything that you learn. So make sure that you uh, are getting that. And with that, thanks for watching. And one last thing before we sign off here is if you like this format and you would want us to cover specific things in music, whether that's mixing or mastering or production or songwriting, writing lyrics, writing melodies, anything under the sun when it comes to music, let us know what you want to learn and we will then cover that in a future episode. All you have to do is write a review and then leave your comments in the review of what you actually want to learn and then we will be sure to plan that in a future episode. So thanks again for listening and making your way through my story. For anybody who actually made it this far in the episode, then you are the true fan. We, we yeah. appreciate you. Absolutely. So with that, we'll sign off. Thanks again for watching, and we'll see you next time. Take it easy.